Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. And I think we'll also add dancing today. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're talking about apartments, the hottest sector in commercial real estate. We'll look at property level performance. We'll look at the investment sales market and the factors driving the sector and what we should expect moving forward. Please welcome my first guest, Jay Parsons, National Market Analysis Manager with RealPage, leading provider of on-demand products and services for the rental housing industry. Jay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Jay, let's get a start by uh, looking at the uh, performance uh, year-to-date and uh, third quarter. Uh, or any new no- occupancy and uh, rate trends out there? Well, the story is really more of the same. Uh, right now, we're on pace for a very similar year as we saw in 2012. Uh, demand continues to be very strong, and uh, so occupancy is, 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 is strong as well. Um, we've absorbed 47,000 units just in Q3, uh, 163,000 year-to-date. Uh, so occupancy is held steady at 95.4, which is a very strong rate for the apartment market. It's uh, uh, a good 100, 100, 150 basis points above the long-term average. Um, so the occupancy holding steady, though, does reflect and having strong demand. Uh, just reflects having a little more supply in the market. Uh, just picked up from some long-term lows. Rents still coming along as well, up another 1.1% quarter over quarter, and they're uh, 3.2% year over year. So basically the same pace as 2012, but uh, not the pace that we saw in 2011 when rent growth uh, got above 4%. So what we're seeing now is I think is kind of a, is that normalization getting back to a more sustainable number. As you mentioned, apartments have been the hot uh, sector of the uh, commercial real estate world. So we're just going from a peak down to a more you know norm, sustained level. Right, a normal growth pattern. So, so what do you see for rental rates? Is the uh, average rental rate uh, a lot higher than it was ever in in, in our history? Oh yeah, the uh, the nation overall has has a uh, you know it's interesting when you compare uh, the apartments not only to single family but to really all other sectors of the economy. Uh, so much of the story <clears throat> has been kind of an L shaped recovery. You look at the apartment stats on rents and occupancy and even construction, it's been a very much a V-shaped recovery. And so um, in the top 50 markets across the country, all uh, but Las Vegas and I think Phoenix have rents above their 2008 levels, of 2007, 2008 levels before the recession started. Um, but for the most part, it's up, up, up. Yeah, that's great. Well, what do you see for the difference in performance in A versus B? I mean, I know A is doing well, but how about B and, and C class apartments? Uh, how are they performing? Well, that's been an interesting part of the story. Um, as you know, coming out of the recession in 2010, 2011, when the apartment market really took off, it was the A's really leading the way in the recovery. And really what happened is that we delivered a lot of new product at uh, kind of the wrong time, 08, 09. And so when the, when the pipeline sort of got cut off in 10 and 11, that those new properties just got leased up very quickly and ended up leading to some much bigger rent growth than anybody expected. So as those the A's did so well, uh, that, uh, that that obviously kicked off a new round of construction. And as that's happened, what we've seen is that demand, now that the top end is full, has shifted toward B's and C's, and that's led to bigger rent growth in the middle and lower tiers of the market. So right now, in the A's, we're, we're down from uh, you know getting four plus percent rent growth. Now it's around two. Uh, but the B's and below are getting three and a, three to three to three and a half, uh, and again that kind of reflects just the supply side. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So the B and C uh, can now improve in, in value and rate growth. So what do you expect moving forward into 2014 for for A, B, and, and C? 
Well, the big story for 2014 is going to be the return of supply and some big numbers, uh, particularly in urban core submarkets. So our general expectation is that demand should stay very strong, but it's just a question of um, how what will be the gap between supply and demand. And there almost certainly will be a gap. I mean, that supply, there's going to be more supply than demand. So our baseline expectation is that occupancy comes down 40 to 50 basis points in 2014, but that still keeps occupancy at a great rate in the high 94s, nothing to complain about. And, uh, and again, it won't, it won't reflect a drop in demand necessarily. And then on rents, we think that we'll drop a little bit down to the high 2, say 2.7, 2.8, uh, down from 3.2 where we are now. And that'll again reflect some more cooling in the, t- in the A's and the, in the new product competing with some of the new properties coming online. Uh, and, and some of the urban core submarkets that have driven a lot of the rent growth are going to uh, come down a little bit. Uh, but we think the middle and lower tiers of the market and some of the key suburban submarkets across the country are going to help keep that number at a, re- at a healthy rate. Okay, so even though occupancy may settle down a little bit, you still believe we're going to have rate growth? Oh, yeah, yeah, and especially because the effect on occupancy will really be driven by the top end. So we, we don't see any signs, uh, at least on a national level, that Bs and Cs are going to see any, any uh, drop in occupancy. Okay, and we're talking with Jay Parsons with a real page about the apartment market. And, and Jay, how much new construction is there going on right now? I mean, I know in some markets some people are concerned uh, about overbuilding, as we've done in the past, right? Uh, what do you see for new construction levels out there and how that could affect the market? Yeah, it's obviously a big buzz topic right now. We get asked all the time, are we overbuilding? And it's kind of a nuanced answer. On, on a broad level, the answer is no. Um, we're back around 300,000 units under construction. And, it's, and the good news is that we've kind of flatlined at that number. So at this point, we're really just kicking off uh, the same number that we're completing. And so we don't think that number is going to get meaningfully higher. And you look at throughout history, 300,000 isn't that much more than the long-term average, it should be two, uh, twenty to thirty thousand more. So it's not—it's not an unsustainable number. The problem, though, is going to be—it's the fact that you know real estate, as you know, is a follow-the-leader business, and so everybody got hot into urban core submarkets targeting Gen Y high-income renters, and so everybody is building the same thing. And so where you're going to see some short-term troubles, and of course we think the demand will be there in the long term, but in the short term, the real issue is, is, uh, is are those urban core submarkets all across the country that are just going to see levels of supply that they've never seen before. Yeah, that would be interesting to see if they get absorbed and, and how fast, well, of course, they'll get absorbed, but uh, how much demand will they see? Well, what are some of the factors that are driving this market, Jay? I mean, is this going to be sustainable that the apartment growth can, can continue? Well, the key, the key factor, and, and it's no secret, is certainly demographics. Um, the, the Gen Y millennial demographic is, is uh, you know, the oldest part of that age group is now in the early 30s, and so they're regardless of how the economy and the home sale markets are, this is a generation that uh, will eventually buy homes, but is, is certainly uh, not, doesn't want to do that until just later in life. This is a demographic that's getting married later. Um, you know, they prefer the, uh, as, as, as a broad group, certainly prefer the mobility that living in a rental uh, apartment gives you. So the demographics are very good, and, and the, uh, that wave of uh, we're continuing to add large numbers of folks into a prime apartment age, folks graduating college or reaching the early 20s um, who are going to be looking at apartments as the most uh, viable housing option. So when you look at the demographic trends, and bear in mind population is the easiest thing to forecast because you're just looking at birth rates and in-migration. So you look at those, those, the, 
those numbers and uh, just going out 10 years, that pipeline is still very strong. So apartment demand should be strong uh, for the next decade just due to the fact of simple population and demographics. Uh, and from there, it starts to flatline. It won't drop off like it did in the 90s. So that's the big driver. And again, it's really just a question long term of, of uh, how much supply we end up building and how, how that impacts the or and how that relates to the demand number. Right. So demographics are key. What about the slob, slow job growth that we've had? Uh, what kind of effect does that have on the apartment market? I've talked to some people who think that, well, because of the slow job market, maybe people are uh, prone to rent and maybe not buy. What do you think there? What's happening there? Well, you know, the, recover, the recession and the recovery have not been equal. Um, and so in the sense that the people who got punished most in the recession tended to be homeowners above the age of 40. Uh, the people who, bene- who benefited from the job growth coming out of the recession tend to be um, uh, renters under the age of 35. And so they're, they're people who are getting uh, lower incomes relative to those who lost their jobs, but they're folks who weren't, weren't kicked out of homes that they owned and they got foreclosed on. Those folks just ended up renting single-family homes. It's really just that you have this huge tidal wave of folks who are entering adulthood in their 20s and early 30s um, that, that, uh, that, that has just benefited disproportionately from the jobs that we are getting. And there's been some research, I don't have it off the top of my head, but there's been some research showing uh, that when you look at job growth just in that demographic, it's much better than the numbers overall. Okay. And we're short on the break, but what about a recovering housing market? How can that affect the apartment market? Well, it, so far it has very little effect. And, uh, and, and on a macro level, what you see is that it's, it, it, the effect is in the, bu- the bust markets. What you're seeing is still in, in some parts of Florida, uh, Atlanta, Phoenix, Vegas, um, some parts of California. Um, you do see the effect uh, where uh, home prices have really dropped off and, and there's a lot of rental inventory on the market. So those are just weird markets. On a macro level, you know, a rising tide boosts all shifts in terms of the economy. And again, uh, it's really a lifestyle issue. Are you in the life stage where you want to live in a single-family house or are you in a life stage where you live in an apartment? Yeah. And so where home sales have grown the most, like in Texas and the Carolinas, apartment demand has still been extremely strong. All right. Well, Jay, we're going to take a short break here. When we get back, we'll talk about cap rates with real page jay parsons the commercial real estate show is brought to you in part by your friends at bull realty when your business requires proven performance visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we just produced a show on the office market and a show on retail and retail real estate. There are lots of interesting shows to choose from. Just grab your smartphone and visit iTunes or commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the apartment market with Jay Parsons with RealPage. And, and Jay, I'd like to, to switch discussions a little bit to the investment sales market. What do you see in the investment world out there? I mean, apartments has been uh, very hot. And uh, so what do you see for sales volume and cap rates today? Well, yeah, first of all, it definitely has been hot. And one of the things that, um, that we've noticed is that when you look at uh, total sales in commercial real estate and the share that apartments make up of that pie, uh, it's at the highest, the apartments are taking the largest piece of the pie they've had in, in 10 plus years. Um, and that, that just reflects, to your point, that apartments have become the hot uh, sector. Um, you see the same thing in the lending side. I've, there's some good bank data out there that's from FDIC filing showing that uh, banks as are 
lending to apartments or, or uh, apartments are representing a larger share of their lending portfolio um, than at any point in 10 plus years as well. So what, how that translates to volumes is that volumes have we've seen uh, have been growing every year since 08. Uh, so far in 2013, we're on we're a little bit ahead of the pace from 2012. Um, when 2012, I think the total is around 88 billion in sales, and and that partly reflect the re- one reason why we're ahead is partly due to the Archstone sale in February. Um, but it looks like we're going to end up right around that same number as last year, maybe a little bit above that. Uh, and in terms of cap rates, from what we've seen is is uh, from a lot of the reports out there is that cap rates have really, they, they compressed obviously a lot in the first half of 2012 and, and before that in 2011. And they've been holding steady for the most part over the past year or so. And so I think nationally the average is around six right now. Uh, but certainly if you get into some of the urban core submarkets, you get into the uh, core markets that everyone's so hot on and you know, you're hearing stories of uh, sub four caps in, in Manhattan and other parts of the country, and even in some of the markets you wouldn't think of as being so great, uh, getting sub four cap rates in some cases. So, um, in the for the most desirable properties. So, but but the general trend right now has been kind of steady on cap rates. Okay. So, what do you expect for cap rates moving forward in 2014? Well, the big thing everyone's watching for is what happens with interest rates. But uh, you know, we're getting a new Fed chair in January, and and uh, what's going to happen with if there's going to be any change in in strategy and and uh, but from all accounts are I think the baseline view is that cap rates are going to remain uh, at historically low levels and if there's any growth it'll be modest not enough to move cap rates and certainly there there's really not much room to compress cap rates any further and so uh, I think that the baseline view is that cap rates pretty much hold steady for at least another year maybe by 2015 you start to see cap rates come up again yeah well you would think so it seems like they've compressed enough but uh, you know maybe in the B and C they'll continue to compress though a little bit well what do you think about new supply you talked earlier about some people uh, feel like in the some of these markets where the infill markets they're building a lot of product it could affect uh, at least temporarily performance in those markets what do you think that'll do to the investment sales volume are some investors going to start shying away from apartments you think and go to some of the other sectors uh, I, I don't think it's going to have an impact on uh, values or cap rates or anything like that, but it, it certainly will, I think, change strategies uh, for some of the investors, uh, not not just due to the supply in the market, but people are building in the submarkets and the markets where cap rates have gotten the lowest and values have gotten the highest the quickest. So I think, I think the supply story is really just uh, kind of a subtopic to the broader story of a lot of folks who've been targeting um, urban submarkets and hot growth uh, parts of the country. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And what do you hear and what do you feel about cap cap rates as far as interest rates go? I mean, you know, everybody feels interest rates will rise at least slightly some. How do you think that's going to affect cap rates moving forward in the apartment market? Well, again, I, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, having a new Fed chair and some of the comments that have been made, uh, I, 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 my view is the baseline view is that uh, is that cap rates, as the interest rates really don't move much next year. We've, we've seen a little bit of growth in interest rates in the 10-year Treasury um, over the past couple of quarters, but not enough to move the needle. Um, so I, I just I don't think it's going to be a factor until 2015. Okay. And you talked about some of these markets and some of these segments uh, performing differently. So where do you think opportunities are for investors in 2014? Well, I think what we're starting to see is that everybody's sort of moving down the risk spectrum a little further. Um, if you're looking for the capital play, the folks who have been highly targeting the so-called sexy six um, are now looking at maybe a tier just below that. And so there's been a lot of talk about, okay, looking at stable markets that maybe aren't as, uh, don't have the same values as, as those top six or so. 
but but have very strong job growth that's been sustained and is projected to maintain it. Um, so you're looking at markets like Dallas and Houston and, and uh, Denver, maybe Austin. Um, and then if you've been working in some of those markets already, maybe you're starting to look in, you know, if you're doing primary urban, you're now looking more suburban. Or if you're doing, you know, kind of secondary markets, maybe you're starting to look at tertiary markets. And so I think what we're seeing is a lot more strategy um, where people are really trying to figure out, um, you, know, you know, we've kind of gotten past the point of everybody wants to be urban and, and in a core market. And now we're trying to figure out, okay, we have to look elsewhere. And so where is the best opportunity going to be? So there's a lot more strategy involved at this stage in the cycle. Yeah, everyone doesn't want to pay three cap rates, right? <laughs> no, no. Because at a certain point, that just doesn't make sense. Even right. even if you're banking on, you know, getting, you know, just buying for the liquidity uh, in Manhattan. I mean, at a certain point, you just can't make the return on the investment. Right. Well, what is most concerning to apartment owners today on the management side and the investment side? Uh, what are investors worried about, or should they be concerned about? Well, I think a few things. Uh, they're definitely uh, worried about supply in the core in the core markets and the in the uh, downtown kind of markets as well. Um, and again, that kind of feeds some of the interest in going into the suburbs. And uh, I think that you're seeing a lot more focus on some of the suburbs that have high employment and good demographics. Uh, supply is a concern. Um, interest rates, as you mentioned, is a concern and cap rate movement. Um, I think especially when you start thinking out, um, you know, if you're making a seven-year bet and you think interest rates are going to rise uh, over that time period, that certainly is a concern. Uh, but probably the biggest one could be the what's going on with the GSEs. And, uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie have been taking the lion's share of the debt and multifamily, but uh, they've been ordered to back off. And um, and so there's a lot of questions and a lot of uh, uh, kind of campaigning to reverse that strategy uh, with no success so far. And so the, there's a question of who's going to, who's gonna, uh, if the banks are going to step up to fill that gap and, 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 uh, and, and, and how much of that void they're going to be able to fill. I think that's probably the biggest issue right now. Okay. Well, before you leave us, Jay, can you share a quick tip on uh, management or operations for uh, apartment owners? Well, one of the trends that I've seen lately, you know, we've talked a lot about demographic factors, and uh, one of the things that, that we're starting to see in a lot of these rehabs that are happening um, and in some of the new supplies is that folks are getting a lot smarter about um, the, the community space, the common space that they use. And, uh, you know, in the last cycle, we built a lot of movie theaters and, and, um, and, and uh, game rooms and uh, those kind of things that are very specific space. And in this new cycle, we've seen a lot more uh, focus on flex space that you can do a lot of different things in. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense for this Gen Y demographic, particularly uh, it, 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 because you, you're going to have a different kind of uh, it, 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 more 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 uh, options is, is typically better than, than uh, losing a lot of space to one thing that may attract only a few renters. Okay, yeah, good tip. Well, Jay Parsons, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. For more information from Jay and RealPage, visit realpage.com. Well, next we'll get a ground floor look at the market directly from two apartment industry icons. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. You're invited to attend two marquee real estate events in Atlanta. Interface Healthcare Real Estate Southeast, December 3rd and 4th, and Interface Multifamily Southeast, December 5th. To reserve your name on the roster, visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. That's interfaceconferencegroup.com. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404 832 
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Each week here, we focus on a topic of interest to business owners, entrepreneurs, and real estate people. If you'd like to know the topic and guest each week, you're invited to sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the apartment industry. Let's get a view of the market from some folks working in the sector every day. Please welcome Mike Altman, Chief Investment Officer, Cortland Partners. Cortland's portfolio includes more than 15,000 apartment homes, touching 35,000 residents. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Also, please welcome Ernie Eden, President, National Apartment Group with Bull Realty. Ernie's team assists clients in the acquisition and disposition of apartment communities in the Southeast U.S. Ernie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Well, guys, I'd like to get your view of the market from a market participant uh, level. Uh, Mike, what do you see for demand levels and tenant traffic on uh, your various properties? Well, generally, occupancy is full and rents are growing. Real estate is still a neighborhood by neighborhood business. And so you really have to drill down to each submarket. Some are outperforming others. Uh, Overall, we've seen Class A rents really outperform all multifamily and other property types in uh, 11 and 12. In 13, they seem to be moderating, while the Class B properties, more specifically our suburban portfolio, is really starting to pick up uh, and accelerate its rent growth. Those markets have had much less uh, new construction, and so the demand that's incrementally coming to the suburban market is is really starting to push rents uh, upward. Yeah, okay, well that's good news. And you know, the housing market is starting to recover nationally. Mike, are you seeing any effect on, on your properties from, from the housing? I mean, do you guys do exit uh, polls? I mean, are these are some of these tenants leaving and buying homes? What do you see? Well, there's, there's a uh, direct correlation between the housing market and our overall economy. And I'm in support of a strong economy. So I'm not afraid of having uh, housing as a sector uh, recover. Uh, I don't think we need to get back to the um, sort of speculative growth that we had in the single family business that was uh, literally stealing my renters uh, who may have been two months behind on rent to go buy a new home. And they can get their loan approved. I'm not looking for that to happen again. But uh, overall, you know, I'm in support of a a strong U.S. economy. Uh, there's, There's a number of reasons people move out. Some is new home purchases. However, uh, Cortland is really focused on a Class B profile, uh, you know, mid 1990s built product throughout the Sun Belt, and those renters aren't at the top of the economic um, uh, pyramid that is then launching two single-family homes. Mm-hmm. So if you were building fancy Class A buildings and you know urban cores, those residents are more likely to move out and buy a single-family home than my target market. Right. Well, it was interesting to see people getting loans approved in that. They were getting approved with the mirror test, right? You put a mirror in front of their face. If it fogs up, <laughs> they were approved. Yes, that was interesting, <laughs> Michael. Very interesting, but uh, not economically very fun right. to go through. It's also interesting. I, I like to tell some of my non-real estate friends, look, if you're at a party and everyone there is talking about all the real estate they're buying, you should be selling. Yes, you know? absolutely. And if everybody's talking about how real estate's terrible, you might want to consider buying, right? <laughs> well, uh, Ernie, what are some of the factors that are performing, helping the apartment market perform so well right now? 
Well, the overall recovery in the job market is helping a lot. Uh, the, the folks who seem to get those jobs are folks who typically rent. Uh, they're younger folks for the most part, and that helps a lot. The, the fact that homeownership is now at 65% as opposed to 69%, which it was a few years ago, doesn't hurt anything, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, there's been a lack of new construction uh, for the last several years, and so that has helped as well. Okay. And Mike, what else do you see that's uh, affecting the market and make it so strong? I mean, some people feel like, uh, you know, can this be sustainable? Uh, but what, what do you see driving it? It's fundamental demand. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're not based on a uh, excited capital market that's, mm-hmm. you know, fueling the single-family home growth of the, of the mid-2000s. I also see student debt as this next kind of wave of mm-hmm. uh, consumer finance that's coming into uh, new households. You know, the, the number of uh, individuals coming out of college uh, have, I think, an average of $18,000 in student debt. When I graduated college, none of my friends had student debt. Um, that debt load is going to keep families in um, rental rental communities longer as they pay off that debt, take longer to build up a down payment, uh, and just have less free dollars to spend on, um, you know, their, their housing consumption. We're in the space over time business. And so the longer time we can keep that same family unit in our space, the better. Right. And, and like you talked about before, it's a little harder for them to get approved for that loan. So if they've got that, that student debt, then it makes it even more of a problem for them, right? That's correct. You know, and I think also the, just the convenience of, of apartments. It'd be nice to, like I left the house today and I noticed something that needed repair. It'd be nice just to call management and <laughs> say, hey, will you get this fixed? So a lot of people are like that, that ease of ownership or, or to live there and just have a, have a problem. All right, we're going to have more for you in just a moment on the apartment market. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we always have fun, right? We're invited to check out Commercial Real Estate Show TV. Yes, you can visit YouTube and search for the channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. You'll see a lot of great interviews and videos about the commercial real estate-related topics there. Well, today we're talking about apartments. My guests are Mike Altman with Cortland Partners and Ernie Eden with the National Apartment Group with Bull Realty. And guys, we've talked a little bit about the the market. We've heard uh, Jay Parsons with RealPage talk about a little bit of overbuilding, maybe possibly concerned in, in some urban markets of some cities. And uh, this great rent growth, uh, rent growth slowing down a little bit, but maybe to a more normal pace. Is it still a good time to buy apartments, Ernie? I mean, we've got really low interest rates. You can still get good financing. Is it still a good time to go out there and buy apartments? This is a great time to buy apartments. Right now, we find, we're seeing people all over the country decide that even if they haven't been in the apartment market before, they want to get into apartments. And the reasons are several. One of them is that rates are historically low. The other one is that they can buy for cash if there's a property they need to reposition and then still have time to refinance while rates are low. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what do you see, Mike? You think it's still a good time? Well, the Fed told me that rates were going to remain low forever. So they promised you. They promised me that. Um, and so I'm, big, I'm you know, betting the farm on that fact. You know, rates, rates just are going to be this way and 
and and that's just a static condition, Michael. It's yeah. it's not going to change. Yeah. No, I honestly I, I watch the um, interest rate market more than I watch you know football these days. Uh, it's more volatile, it seems. But the reality is, is I think the interest rate market is going to um, change over time, and it's going to change the type of opportunities that are um, the best investment over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you can purchase something at a very low cap rate, you put a very low interest rate on it, and there's still a margin there for your reasonable risk-adjusted return. Mm -hmm. Uh, Soon, it'll make much more investment sense to be focused on value-add properties or development where you can make a yield greater than the interest rate market and therefore still get that risk-adjusted return. And let's talk about that a little bit. What are you guys at Cortland Partners doing as far as buying and selling right now? Are you actively buying? We have been a very active buyer in 2013, purchasing 22 properties um, year to date. I wow. think we could, um, you know, per, per, perhaps uh, into in 2013 close as much as 10,000 units. Nice. Uh, we started the year with like 9,600 units, so we're, we're we're very actively growing, almost doubling in size this year. We, our target investment is a Class B property uh, with a value add component. Value add to me is. Uh, taking a, an existing piece of real estate and finding how it can be optimized. Sometimes that's amenities. Sometimes that's just better management and marketing. But often it's obsolete, you know, replacing obsolete kitchens or obsolete uh, finishes. Maybe it's architectural enhancements. Doing whatever you can do to that existing real estate to position it to the highest potential in that submarket. And that activity post-acquisition is creating more yield, more NOI. Um, and more um, investment return uh, overall. Those properties in general for us are in the Sun Belt. We mm-hmm. think that's where the population's growing. We see that as the growing markets. Mm-hmm. We um, really focus on Class B properties, both urban and suburban. We're not opposed really to either one of those. Um, I really say it's 1994 or newer properties. That's when the uh, America with Disabilities Act came in, which really kind of increased building codes. You got much more nine foot ceilings. You had better, tighter um, buildings being built overall. So um, we're not going back to the 70s product. We're really kind of looking at that mid 90s and newer. And um, our best investment would really be 250 units or greater. We want a very efficient operating platform where we we can provide a high level of service to our residents. And to do so, we need um, a sufficient number of units to, you know, bear that fixed cost. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good point. And what about development? Are you getting rents high enough uh, in some of these markets to do new development? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You're you're definitely getting Mm -hmm. strong rents. I mean, rents are stronger now than they were before the downturn. Mm -hmm. I think the question is, is um, from an investor standpoint, is are you getting paid an appropriate yield to develop properties? Real estate developments, it has inherently more risk than acquisitions. And so you need to get paid a bigger reward for that risk. In the urban core properties, the margins on development are very tight. And to us, it's not providing you a sufficient return for the added risk. So yes, we're developing property, but in secondary markets. We're in Lake Charles, Louisiana. We're in Savannah, Georgia. We're in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, we're in Birmingham, Alabama. Those are markets where you can, you can go through the development process and create a yield that is you know, 250 basis points greater than a cap rate in that market, which is a sufficient risk-adjusted return. 
So that's the opportunistic play for us on development is in secondary markets. Okay, that's great. So how many pro properties do you have under development right now? We have two properties that are in current construction. Mm -hmm. uh, we have three properties that are in the development pipeline going through permitting and um, a wild ride in the construction pricing market. And we um, want to talk a little bit about that. And we're short on the break, Ernie, but what type of properties are you seeing most demand in? Uh, everybody wants to be properties, it seems, uh, particularly those with a value-add component. Uh, different people have different ideas of what that is. Uh, some people want something that's a little bit older where they can bring it up. Uh, but uh, there's absolutely a lot of demand for the B properties. And that's uh, all size properties? All sizes. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really, you know, there are people who are just starting out and who want something small, you know, 30 units, 40 units, 50 units. And there are other people who are institutional uh, who want 200 units or better. How about C, getting any demand for C product? There's still plenty of people who want to take a C property and, mm -hmm. and uh, do what they can to, to bring it up and make it better and, and improve the rents and the occupancies. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's moving down to that area where you can raise rents on those properties. So there's a lot of opportunity in the apartment market, especially with better management, as you say. Well, stay tuned for more on the apartment market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Hey, thanks for your positive comments on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We do certainly appreciate hearing from you. Well, today we're talking about apartments, and we have Ernie Eden here with Bull Realty and Mike Altman with Cortland Partners. And, and Ernie, um, what are some of the benefits of investing in the apartment industry and the apartment market versus uh, some of the other sectors? First of all, there's a really quick response time. If uh, you if the rents are changing, you can raise your rents faster mm -hmm. in apartments than any other kind of uh, property mm -hmm. type. Uh, you have the opportunity to test things. Let's say you want to make certain improvements, you can test it in one or two apartments and see how it goes. And if you if you get good response, you can do it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you've got more buyers because you've got everything from a small property to a very large property. And you've got lots and lots of people who have had experience in a house and therefore think they want to be an apartment owner. Uh, so that's an opportunity. Everybody needs a place to live, so there are more tenants. Uh, everybody thinks they can tweak the management and do much better than the last guy. And that's always an opportunity. Uh, and then there are some niche markets. Uh, student housing is one that's doing real well. And senior housing, 55 plus, uh, there are more and more communities that are being built with those folks in mind. And as this baby boom uh, generation seeps through, it's going to get larger and larger and larger. The 10,000 10, people every day turn 65 in this country. Yeah, that's a lot of positive reasons to, to buy apartments. I mean, would that mean positive reasons? You could do a sham wow commercial, you know, just <laughs> yell those out, right? right. <laughs> you know, I think there there is a lot of opportunity in the apartment market also. And you, and you mentioned, uh, Mike, earlier, uh, better management. And uh, and you also talked about new construction. So uh, what do you see for construction prices out there in cost uh, today? 
it's it's rising mm-hmm. and it's the yeah, i think i've seen most recently one percent a month mm-hmm. so our, our your overall project cost is going up one percent a month it's 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 pretty quick and and the reality is is that in 2009 and 2010 right at the bottom of that that trough we went through mm-hmm. um we scored some amazing construction deals mm-hmm. you know we had a, a, a lot stronger um uh, pricing or you know the the, co- the contractors were very aggressive with their pricing and some contractors were hungry and i think now they're tired of being hungry living hand you know mm-hmm. uh, hand, hand to mouth and uh there's a lot of their competition is out of business and so they're just demanding a higher price mm-hmm. i think you've seen some specialty trades electricity plumbing those trades there's other uses for those skill sets you know the oil industry is growing there's other things that people are doing with um those trades and and leaving less qualified uh, labor for um, construction. Frankly, I think that construction prices are are going up and will continue to rise, especially as other uh, real estate types, hotel for instance, is probably the next group to really start to grow Mm -hmm. and um, specifically grow in new new hotels Mm -hmm. is going to take, you know, a lot of commodity pricing is gonna follow that labor labor price increase. That makes sense. So, So what's new in the apartment communities today? Well, I think new construction projects are building smaller units. You know, there's no um, there's no dining rooms anymore, right? There's 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 really nice kitchens and open floor plans, but you know, Gen Y is not having dinner parties. They're out. They're you know they're in they're in the the bars and the restaurants. They're not necessarily having all of that sort of meal preparation in the house. And so the kitchens are getting more compact. We've seen smaller appliances even. Um, I wonder why I'm not getting invites from my Gen Y friends. <laughs> do you, Michael, do you have any Gen Y friends? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Well, Ernie, do you have a good closing tip for our listeners today? If you're a buyer, get yourself organized before you go and make the offer. Make sure that you've got uh, money that you say you have, that you can prove <laughs> that you have it. Have a bio, show them who you are so that they can understand what their chances of closing with you are ahead of time instead of after the inspection is done. <laughs> um, have several choices for uh, alternative ways of financing. If your first choice doesn't come through, have a backup plan because this is such a great opportunity that you can miss the boat. It's done. Good point. Ernie, Mike, thanks for joining us today, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great. Thank you, Mike. Well, be sure to join us next week. We'll talk with Mitch Rochelle on the PwC ULI Emerging Trends. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh, and make sure you listen to the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by your friends at Bull Realty, France Media, Atlanta Office Liquidators, and Wiseman, Noack, Curry, and Wilco. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.